Um, you have a lot of Chandra asking to give the theme. <laughs> I, I was, yesterday we were talking about the, we had Bhagavatam Rita and we talked about Chisanathan Goswami who actually revealed that story which uh, Parachit Maharaj told his mother and some uh, Kamaniya doesn't know really the story so if you maybe just briefly could mention the story and then but my question is why does Krishna reveal this story to Sanatana Swami like everything else we have a little bit like there's there's what there's King Parikshit who tells the story to his mother. So why does it, re- is it re- why is it revealed through Sanatana Goswami? Mm-hmm. Well, um, first of all, Brihad Bhagavatamrit is is the uh, the original book for Gaudiya Vaishnavism, as you know. Sanatana Goswami is like the architect of the Sampradaya. And um Bhagavatamrita, <coughs> the Bhakshin and Bhagavan is the centerpiece of revelation for the Gaudi Vaishnavas amongst all the bodies or branches, let's say, of of revelation Hindu sacred texts, the Gaudias give a central position to Srimad Bhagavatam and feel that um, and argue well that all the sacred texts will be understood in context um, with the Shemabhagdan as the center to the hub around which they're moving. So it's a peculiar, in one sense, position that the Goswamis have taken um, in that um, it's one that wasn't taken before them, but very good. has given very good logic and reasoning as to why uh, in his Tattvasandharva the uh, Bhagavatam takes such a central position so, um, and as we see of course it is a book about the core and central ideology of Vaishnavism it's a book in which Krishna is spoken about, revealed from from the perspective of Radha, which is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is about. So, Srimad Bhagavatam, then all of the Gaudiya Grantas or texts are more or less speaking about the Bhagavatam in one sense or another, extending the themes, extending the Leelas, um, plumbing the depths of the philosophy and theology there. And, and amongst all of those uh, Gaudiya books, it said, Nana Shastri Charanak Nipanosa Dharma Samstapaku Lokanam Hitakaranam. Lokanam Hitakaranam, out of Hitakaranam's compassion, out of compassion for the local, for the people of the world, they mind, so to speak, the, uh, the gems of the sacred 
texts and wrote what we sometimes refer to as the Bhakti Shastras. They're the Shastras for us, written by them. They're the founding Acharyas of the Sampradaya, the Goswamis. And so amongst, anyway, their, their various books, Great Bhagavatam reaches the first, and Sanatana Goswami was the par excellence uh, 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 student of Srimad Bhagavatam. He's described in Chaitanya Charitamrita as having collected a group of pundits whom he would hang with, so to speak, and just discuss the implications of Srimad Bhagavatam over and over again. And so from him, we have is a book that is, that is more often than not, without thinking about it, in Gaudiya Sampradaya and elsewhere, outside of the Sampradaya, attributed to Sanatana himself. Um, whereas he explains the book to be something that precedes him and that he is commenting on. For the most part, it's thought he's commenting on his own book. Mm-hmm. rather than commenting on a book that precedes him. Um, so your question has something to do with with that, I guess, the origins of the of the book. Uh, Sanatan makes the case, I wouldn't say he makes the case, he simply states. He doesn't really give any proofs or evidence to support his position, but he states that um, there are different versions of the Mahabharata um, just like he doesn't give us example, but I'll give you an example. There can be said to be different versions of the Bhagavad Gita. For example, it's sometimes thought that Krishna spoke the Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna, the Chatriya, and he spoke the same wisdom to Uddhava, the Brahmana, which is uh, referred to as the Uddhava Gita, the section, the large section, eleventh canto. The Bhagavatam, if you look at the two texts, of course, they're very similar. Hmm? Um, very, very similar in the questions and answers and so on and so forth. But speaking to the Brahman, Uddhava, it came out a little different. Speaking to the Kshatriya, um, <coughs> Arjun, a little different. Of course, they're both Vaishnavas and uh, so forth. But <clears throat> Sanatana Goswami states that uh, there are different versions of the Mahabharata. Uh, and uh, this is a particular version. Hmm? I forget exactly the, the details that he gives, but he gives no support for his position. And the history to the text, Priyad Bhagavatamrita, in the form of Parikshit Maharaj speaking to Uttara, his mother, the story is that, according to Sanatana, of course, Harikshit Maharaj was um, cursed to die in seven days. Um, another example comes to mind, of course, here when I, when I mentioned that. That's the central theme of Srimad Bhagavatam, right? Harikshit um, Maharaj is dying, and so he goes to the bank of the Ganges and hears from Sugadev. The story, at the same time, of Parikshit Maharaj's in- involvement um, with Sugadev and the curse from the uh, from the Brahmin boy, and so it's also related in the Mahabharat, but the story is is different there. Hmm? It's the same story, 
but you can tell the same story to different audiences and emphasize different points. And that's what you find in so many of the sacred texts of the Hindu stories. Even some stories have their, or the Puranas have their origin in the, in the Upanishads, and they're told again, and they're told again, and they're told again. They're told in different Puranas and different Itihasas and so forth, the texts, and with different nuanced emphases when the story is told relative to the audience for whom they were written. Shumad Bhagavatam, some of the stories in Shumad Bhagavatam are told in other Puranas and so forth, but they're t- all the stories there in Bhagavatam are told in a certain way. And the emphasis in Srimad Bhagavatam is to showcase the possibility of obtaining and the excellence of the Braj Bhavas, the Bhavas of, of Braj Mandal. Therefore, there are three basic centers to the Bhagavatam that all appear in the tenth canto. You have the Vatsali Rasa center covering the Damodar Leela, several chapters. You have Sakya Rasa center, the Brahma Vimohan Leela, and the killing of Danakasura, twelve chapters. 12, 13, 14, and 15. It's also in Ansakiras. Then you have the, the uh, five chapters centered on the Rasalila. These are the three main sentiments of Braj. You see how much um, attention has been given to them in the 10th canto. Each of those sections cover several chapters. And so this is what Bhagavatam is about. It tells some, some of the same stories even from Krishna, that you'll find in the Padma Purana or the Vishnu Purana. But you can't get from the, story, the same stories as they're told in the Padma Purana what you can get from the way the stories are told in the Srimad Bhagavatam. They're not invested with the same power, they're not told with this, from the same perspective, um, and so forth. So, this is what you find in the Hindu text as far as the various narratives. They're told, they're retold in different books at different times to different audiences and so forth. So each one has a particular uh, purpose in mind. If I said to tell a story, then I may tell it slightly different to children than to adults and so on and so forth. So um, as the story of Maharaj Pritchard is told in Bhagavatam and in in Mahabharata, I mean Mahabharata, will take you nowhere transcendentally if you take out the Bhagavad Gita from 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 Mahabharata. Hmm? So it it, <coughs> it, 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 it 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 tells the story of Parikshit in a, in a different way. Hmm? At any rate, um, what Sanatana Goswami says in Brihad Bhagavatamrita is that this Parikshit Maharaj heard from Sukadev Mm-hmm. Having been cursed to die, he went to the bank of the Ganges. Stories he didn't eat or sleep, which is t- to indicate how attentively we should hear Srimad Bhagavatam mm-hmm. to get the desired uh, result with some sense of urgency. And so, with the cause, the, the, the purpose, the, 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 the circumstances create some sense of urgency. Death. It's said that it was spoken in seven days and that we all have seven days to live only. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, one of them we are going to die on. So, with this in mind, we should hear Srimad Bhagavatam like Parikshit Maharaj. Hmm. Parikshit Maharaj was subject to the curse of the Brahmin boy, although his father, 
thought that it was improper, but what gave rise to that was, from one perspective, Prichet Maharaj's impatience. He came to the hermitage of Somika, Somika, mm-hmm. and he was in a trance, and Prichet Maharaj was thirsty. Mm-hmm. And he was not even offered any water. He thought, what is this? The king has come, he's not even offered any water. So he took the snake and garlanded the sage, and the sage's son took offense and cursed him and so forth. Well, Prichet Maharaj in Bhagavatam, of course, makes the case that eating and drinking is the cause of my death. I shall stop eating and drinking. That may be the cause of my immortality. You understand? <laughs> That's in the Mahabharata? Bhagavatam. In Bhagavatam. In the first canto, as the story is being introduced, Sukadeva appears at the beginning of the second canto. A good part of the first canto is glorification of Pariksit Maharaj and the beginning of the story of the cursing of Kali and so on and so forth, and ultimately the cursing of Pariksit Maharaj, who fasted from food and drink, thinking that the need to eat, we think that we that if we eat, we will live. Bridget Marsh concluded, eating is the cause of one's death. Hmm? Because it's a taking. Do you understand? Hmm? In order to, the Bhagavatam makes a very Darwinian statement, one living being is food for another. Hmm? So, it's the... We think we should feed people, and that will help to stop death. <laughs> but the Bhagavatam's perspective is eating is killing you. Hmm? Because as long as you continue to eat, you have to continue to die. Because eating involves taking. Hmm? And taking has repercussions. When you take, you owe, as they say. So off to work you go. Because you've taken, now you owe, now you have to work. So this is the, the realm of karma. So the, he took, he ate, he wrote, it, so he's getting a little philosophical here, obviously. The Raj, by eating, actually, uh, the urge to eat is, and drink is perpetuates death, birth and death, the cycle of birth and death. So I will cease from eating and drinking, and I will go to the bank of the Ganges, a sacred place, and try to answer the death question, which now is pressing, repressing in my life, as it is for everyone. Hmm? And thus the seven-day analogy and so forth. And of course, the answer to his earnestness, which is evidenced by his willingness to give up food and drink, he's pretty interested in the subject, in solving the problem, and he's thought about it philosophically, and so with that kind of introspection and sincerity that characterizes Pritchett, Sukadeva appears on the scene. Hmm? It's not just by fasting, of course, but by the implication is paying all attention to the hearing from the sadhu, Sukadeva, and entering into learning about a life of, of giving rather than taking. I mean, he's learning to be a lover rather than a taker in Srimad Bhagavatam. So, the story in Bhagavatam, according to Sukadev, or according to Sanatana Goswami, is that his mother, Uttara, who, in whose womb Parikshit was endangered, according to the Bhagavatam, by the Brahmastra of, 
of Ashvatthama, hmm? and had it uh, is now having heard from Sukadeva on the verge of meeting his his protector when he was in the womb, Krishna, hmm? and he heard now seven days from 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 Sukadeva Goswami, and his seven days are now up, right, according to the curse, and so she wanted to hear very quickly. <laughs> What he heard, he heard from Sukadev. What did he say? What did he say? Hmm? It took seven days for Sukadev to say it, and Pritchett Marsh had to now say it in about seven minutes or something like that. <laughs> seven hours, very quickly, to recite the essence of what Sukadev <clears throat> reported to him, and his then telling of this utra is uh, what we now refer to as the Great Bhagavatam. Brihat-Bhagavatamrita, Brihat-Bhagavatamrita, the great nectar of the, immortal nectar of the Bhagavatam. And um, as they say, Sanatana Goswami says, this story of Parikshit Maharaj, Uttara asking the Raj, and the Raj telling her what Sukadev said, is in another version of the Mahabharata that nobody's ever heard of or ever seen, or but that's what he says. Hmm? And it's an interesting point, and you bring it up, in, in, in a sense, directly or in, indirectly, because typically, um, you know, we, 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 uh, we, we identify somewhere on the scriptural map with the Bhagavatam or the Bhagavad Gita, and if someone just comes along and makes something up, hmm, we tend to take it, with uh, not, not very seriously, so the shastra is very important, very central to the whole principle of revelation in, in terms of the guru parampara, because the guru has to support what he or she says from the scripture. Otherwise, one guru says this, one guru says that, and you know, I, God told me this, God told me that, and you're in a total soup of relativity here. So therefore, Prabhupada, for example, would emphasize the scripture as a, as, a, as a standard of knowledge. It's like the map. Therefore, the Goswamis, for example, uh, did the work to locate the <coughs> ecstasy that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu embodied on the scriptural map. And they demonstrated that he is the personification of the Maranaki Mahabhav of, of Radha. It's an incredible work that they did, if you will, uh, kind of academic work of supporting their position from the scripture or looking at it the other way, locating the ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu on the map of the sacred texts. So you have the guide, you have the map. You, 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 you need both. The guide says, I've got the map, and so, so forth. So it's peculiar in this way that, 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 that Sukadeva Goswami, or Sanatana Goswami is making just really stating. He's not making a case. He doesn't try to support it or give evidence that there is such another version of Mahabharata. I mean, there could be. Um, but nobody's ever heard of it. I've never heard anybody anywhere confirm it or any manuscript or anything of the sort. So, for the most part, without thinking about it, most Gaudiya people and people outside of Gaudiya Sampradaya who comment on Brihad Bhagavatam simply say it's not in Goswami's book. Hmm? But the implication of it is, well, wait a minute, did he just make this up? Or, like you said, why did it come through him? Hmm? 
Should we believe it? Hmm? And so forth. <laughs> well, um, it speaks to the power of Sanatan uh, Goswami as a contributor, but I think also that his it really constitutes an explanation of the essence of Srimad Bhagavatam, stripped of so many extra things that are packed into the Bhagavatam to give it a Puranic setting. There are, I think, five different... Is it five different... Five and ten. There's, there's some say... Yeah, you can look at it from a ten or five different elements of a Purana. You have to have the genealogical table, uh, you know, the the Bhamsana uh, Charita, the Vamsas, the this, that, and the other thing. Forget them all. That make a Purana. So all of these things have been put into Srimad Bhagavatam to make it a Purana. But what it's essentially about is what's couched in the Puranic setting. You take, for example, cosmology of the Bhagavatam and even the description of matter um, in the part of the Bhagavatam. It's, um, it's drawn from the, from the, from the Sankhya philosophy. <coughs> and um, Bhagavatam basically makes the case that there's two sides to matter, there's a guna maya, its constituents, and jiva maya, its power to delude, and it mostly deals with its jiva maya, its power to delude. And while it gives some description of its constituents, that would be bewildering to a modern scientist who was examining matter um, and experimenting with it and getting certain results and demonstrating it's like this. Uh, um, uh, larger case that the Bhagavatam makes with regard to guna maya or matter's constituents is that it's Vishnu Maya. You can't figure it out. It's 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 you you, you, you can't get a, a full grip on it. Um, so at any rate, this is a description of matter given there, cosmological description. Other things are packed into the Bhagavatam, but its essential message hmm, is that what you find in Breda Bhagavatamrita, two things: one, which the first section of the Breda Bhagavatamrita deals with that there are different types of devotees of, of Vishnu. Hmm? There's a gradation of devotion. Hmm? And two, the longer story, the second part of the Brihad Bhagavatamrita, that there must be a place, a realm, that corresponds with the different gradations of devotion and and spirituality and religion. Really, it's what what it, it, what Bhagavatam Rita says in essence is that the Bhagavatam is a very interesting study, interfaith study. Hmm? Sounds interesting because we said it's exclusively about Krishna, but it's an interfaith study because it's like the Gita. The Gita says many has many different doctrines in it. There's Jnana Yoga, there's Karma Yoga, there's different types of Bhakti Yoga, there's Varnashram, and so on and so forth. But if you know how to read the book, of course, you you see there's a central theme in the book that keeps coming up, keeps coming up. And that theme is pointed out directly and indirectly. Indirectly by way of talking about what it's not, by contrasting it with different paths and so forth. The Bhagavatam moves in the same way. So it's culminating, culminating, bringing bringing it to the point of Brajabhakti, there's centers within Brajabhakti, there's a Sakya Rasa, there's a Vatsalya Rasa, and there's the Madhurya Rasa, which is the center of the center. 
of the Bhagavatam. Hmm? And the Braj Lila builds up to the Rasa Lila, that's climax, and then the whole rest of the Bhagavatam, all the Matura Lila and the Dwarka Lila, is reflection back on it, on the Braj Lila and the Rasa Lila in particular. It's properly understood. So it's Brihad Bhagavatamrita takes us through all the different realms of religious possibilities. The Tapalok, the Satyalok, the Maharlok, this Lok, and the Vaikuntha, and below that Indraloka, and so on. All different con- con- conceptions of, God, of the Godhead that are not relative to Hinduism. If you look at them carefully, they're talking more generically about what you find in the different religious paths in the world. I mean, it's, it's, that's a beautiful thing about Hinduism. It, it really is very um, comprehensive. You know, talking about jnana, about karma, about bhakti. These aren't terms that are just, they sound like they're just relative to Hinduism, but the karma conception of God is basically there amongst the common people. On this low end, it becomes a fundamentalist religion. On this high end, it becomes a pious um, pursuit of material acquisition through the recognition and petitioning of God, hmm? Hmm. and then then you have your your mystics within Islam, within Christianity. You have your saints, the Catholic saints. You have Jesus, mystic. In Islam, you have Sufis, mystics. So this 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 then is the demarcation between religion for acquisition, the and this in in the Hindu term. Property marg for acquiring things, for pursuing thoughts and things hmm? through recognition of the Godhead to foregoing things and thoughts and pursuing myself. An internal pursuit, nibriti marg. So your renunciation, your saints uh, giving up the world, the desert fathers of the Catholics. And so on and so forth. These types of people are the Sufi mystics and and so on. The Buddhists. I mean, a little different, but similar idea. And and then you and then there's and of course there's the bhakti idea, which is very most beautifully brought out in Bhagavatam. Whereas action is cancelled out by knowledge, knowledge is cancelled out by action. You understand? Mm-hmm. If you act in the world in pursuit of things you'll have no knowledge of yourself. Hmm? If you give up the pursuit of things hmm, because you know that you want enduring happiness and things don't endure, hmm, then you move from an active life chasing things to an internal, contemplative life. So knowledge, even if you get an education in school, you have to work less hard physically. Hmm? So knowledge and action, they, in a sense, I'm, way I'm speaking of, they, they cancel one another out. Hmm? So if you're wise, you don't pursue non-enduring things while when you're in pursuit of enduring life and happiness, as everyone is. But, of course, these are two sides of the same coin, how material life runs. Now, there are systematic paths in the scriptures how to pursue acquisition, how to give up, and so forth. But while these two cancel one another out, both are present in bhakti, because bhakti, love, involves action, and it involves kind of knowing. 
also super super knowing mm-hmm. includes knowing what the self is obviously and what it's not and so forth so at any rate my point only is as an aside that the, the, the sacred texts of the Hindus are very comprehensive in in speaking about religious possibilities the nature of being the nature of desire and so on and so forth and it plays out you can find it in different religious sects hmm? and in, in, within the different religious, religious sects you can find these kind of gradations also like I said you can find your religious fundamentalism <coughs> you can find nice people that still aren't weird like, but, but they want things basically and that's what they think religion's about hmm? And then you have your, your your mystics, and so on and so forth. So the, these things are all really drawn out and played out, thought about, reasoned about, very beautifully in Hinduism, particularly in the Bhakti school, where it weighs in on karma and jnana, the two tracks on which material life runs, boga and tyag, same idea, to enjoy and to renounce, to get the thing, to give the thing up. You want it, tired of it, yeah, that kind of thing. Um, because bhakti, as defined by Rupa Goswami, is unencumbered by desire for things or for thoughts or, or, for, 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 or for, for, for karma and for jnana, therefore there's, there's a considerable um, discussion about the nature of karma, the nature of desire, the nature of akama and akama, desire and and freedom from desire, and how they really are both, have the same focus. One person wants to enjoy the world, take it, the other person wants to give up the world. The world is the focus of both people. Hmm? And bhakti is, you know, is, 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 is not focused on either getting or taking, but there is getting, neither taking, taking acquiring, or, 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 or renouncing. But there is acquiring, and there is renouncing within bhakti, because if you love someone, you will acquire things that are pleasing, those habits and so forth, to the one you love, and you will give up the things that are not pleasing to the one you love. So in a natural way, in a harmonious way, these, these, these tendencies are found within, within, within bhakti. So, at any rate, Briyat Bhagavatamrita, the essence of the Bhagavatam is really like the Bhagavatam is and you can understand it from Brigad Bhagavatamrita which is again said to be by Sanatana the quick version the seven minute version seven, instead of the seven day version of Srimad Bhagavatam and you see it's a description of different religious possibilities and it goes up and up and up and logically explains uh, the, the, uh, takes you up the ladder and gives a very um, compelling Explanation of the Braj Lila and Gopi Bhava in particular. Hmm? So, who is the highest devotee and what is the corresponding realm? So, the highest devotees are the Gopis, and the corresponding realm is, is, is Goloka. The story is told, the second part, by the Gopa Kumar, the Priyanarmasaka, the friend of Krishna, who's involved with his romantic life as well. So, it's very um, the first part, I guess you haven't read the book and you wanted me to say something about the story? Or? Uh, maybe a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so first part of the book again, Narada is on the scene and uh, Narada is, um, is uh, it's Narada, right? Yeah, he's, pers- yeah, yeah. he's pursuing the, 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 the <laughs> different types of 
of of of devotion, religion. What's the best? What's the best type of service to God? Something like that. And so you know, he he goes to, uh, in in this in this world and Indraloka and Brahmaloka and so forth. And in each place he goes, the primal person there in Shivaloka and in Brahmaloka and Indraloka so forth. He he arrives on the scene, and he praises that person and says, "Oh, Indra, your devotion to God, to Vishnu, is incredible." And he goes on and on and on, and speaks about it, and then Indra responds. I'm nothing. What are you talking about? I'm a demon, practically. Just see my position. And he starts talking about all his negative qualities. And I fought with Krishna. He came here for the Parijata flower, for his queen, Satyabhama. And I, I fought with him over that. You know, I resisted it. I'm terrible. And so I stole his, you know, I tried to rein in on his cows and calves. You know, and I, I, if you want to know something about devotion, you know, Go to, you know, what does he say? Go to Shiva or something. Go to Brahma. <coughs> mm-hmm. Goes to Brahma. Praises Brahma. Mm-hmm. Brahma replies, I'm nothing. Go to Shiva. Shiva says, you know, what a, go to Prahlad. Prahlad says, go to Hanuman. Hanuman says, go to the, go to the Pandavas. Mm-hmm. Pandavas say, where, you know, where are they? Go to Uddhava. Mm-hmm. That's what Krishna says. And, and each one is saying, and they go to the Braj. Ultimately, hmm. and so then Uttara, the mother of Pritchett, wants to know there must be a, what's the nature of the realm that corresponds with this kind of devotion. And so then another story is told. It's the story of of a a, a Brahmin, um, uh, what is he, uh, born in Mathura, hmm, isn't? And um, and uh, he seeks out. Um, he gets initiated by the goddess Durga in in, in Gopal Mantra, it's to, isn't it? Directed towards Gopal, and he doesn't understand the. Well, there's a story within the story there. Anyway, one 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 fellow meets this cowherd uh, in the forest, in the for, in, who comes as guru and tells him his story, how he was initiated, how he got, got chanted the mantra. And he went to Jagannath Puri, he worshipped Jagannath for a long time. And from there he went to beyond the world and he went, he went to all the different abodes and ultimately he went to, he was tempted to merge into Brahman but he resisted and it's it, it, very, very intriguing, very powerful, compelling, very interesting story. And he, he ultimately goes to Baikuntha and he's, he's in Baikuntha for example and he's worshiping Gopal Krishna through his mantra, but he doesn't know anything. All he knows is he got the mantra, he chants it, and it works. And he doesn't really have. He's getting Siksha gurus along the way are giving him knowledge. Hmm? You may think in Brahma Bhagavatamrita that his guru just gave him the mantra and disappeared, which is more or less what happened. But um, but what, what's <coughs> happening wherever he goes, he's finding Siksha gurus who are advising him and edifying him, and so so he learns about that abode. And what's the shortcoming of it? And then he feels it also at the same time. So the teachings as to the shortcoming of the bode that he's in prior to attaining Goloka, which is what his mantra corresponds with, he feels it, but he can't quite articulate it. And so the guru, the Sikshu guru, in each case comes and, and articulates it. Yeah, this is why. Hmm. He's in Baikuntha and he sees Narayan and he goes, Hey, Gopal! And he goes, you can't talk to him like that. Step back! Pay your obeisances. That's not I, I know. Hmm? 
who has a Gopal side that he shows sometimes on Janamastami and Vaikuntha, <laughs> but it's not the same exactly as the Golok, which is also referred to as Maha Vaikuntha. So, Gopakumar is not quite satisfied, and so, um, who is it in, in Nard, I guess, comes in, in Vaikuntha, and the Uddhavan says, look, you know, talk to him, Uddhava, you've been to the Braj, Okay, and you had your experience. You went there. Krishna sent you there to give message to the gopis, and you ended up getting edified by them. And so you know something about that kind of bhakti. That's where this guy belongs. Start talking about. Uddhava tells him, "Well, look, first you know, go to Golok, go to Dwarka." Hmm? So he goes to Dwarka. He has the Dwarka experience, so on and so forth. Ultimately, he comes back to Earth in the Braj, Boma Vrindavan, earthly Vrindavan, and he. <coughs> chance is, is he, by this time he's reached the efficacy of his mantra. So the mantra it, 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 its efficacy is attained when one attains liberation. Bhav. Hmm? So there's no, so he didn't need to chant that. Now he's he, he, st- he stopped chanting his mantra but he's chanting the favorite names of God. So he's doing Harinam Sankirtan hmm? of names that speak about Krishna in relation to his rasa in Sakya Rasa. He's chanting the names and meditating on the leelas. So this is Rag Bhakti. Hmm? And so he takes the path of Rag Bhakti, living in the Braj, hmm? does Namsan Kirtan and Leela Smarnam, and he's quite qualified at this point, <laughs> and he enters into the Goloka. Hmm? So the bode corresponding with the highest love. And there he describes the leelas there and so forth. It's a very beautiful book. <laughs> So what it is, as I say, in essence, is the essence of Srimad Bhagavatam. So if you want to know what Bhagavatam is about, and, and this is the central piece of the whole Gaudiya Sampradaya, again, it's the hub, the Bhagavatam, around which all the sacred texts, texts orbit and understood in context. It was the heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself, it's described, Srimad Bhagavatam. And Sanatha Goswami says, Vriyad Bhagavatam is the first book of our Sampradaya giving the Gaudiya perspective on Srimad Bhagavatam. And so, you know, you, you see, find many devotees that read Bhagavatam and they quote it and they think what's important in it and so on and so forth. You should study Srimad Bhagavatam and understand, or excuse me, read Bhagavatam and understand what the book is. Then they can, sometimes I make the point to devotees that there are some things that are relative, some things that are absolute, even in the scriptures. Hmm? They go, huh? whoa! Where do we, you know, if it's not all absolute, where do we start? You know, where is it relative? Where is it absolute? Because budding faith wants things to be black and white. Something to hold on to. It's like this. It's not like that. And probably was very successful in preaching like that. It's not like this. It's not like that. Remember when I first read it, I said, hey, that's good. Somebody knows what's going on here. Because Talk about spirituality in the late sixties, early seventies was pretty flowery and flowery, and you know where you go with it. You know, <laughs> he said it's not like this. You don't smoke that. You know, you, 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 and you chant this, and you don't wear long hair. You short, you know, you can't shave your head. Okay, you know, somebody's got to figure it out here, and it, it was comforting. So, for the beginning devotee, that kind of f- freedom from the trouble of having to think so to speak, is somewhat comforting. <laughs> but you have to progress on from there, of course. It turns from black and white into many, many shades of gray. 
and and the path is straight, you know, at a certain point in Ishta, but it's not narrow, it's broad. Mm-hmm. And and texts mean different things at different times. And same verses can be explained in different ways, all within the parameters of what's what constitutes bhakti, what's governed by the Sarup Sarup Shakti. Hmm. Um, so so, but it's a fact. I mean, there is relativity. I was speaking with uh, with the devotees last night um, about this in, in, in brief because the point had come up that Prabhupada, um, sometimes we see that Prabhupada invoked a preaching strategy to talk about falling from Goloka. You know, where did the jiva come from? Oh, you know, it's your fault you fell. And the other times he said, no, nobody falls. Which one is right? So we've chosen that, that he said different things at different times when he said what he said that corresponds with the previous acharyas, all sampradayas, all of Hinduism is probably the Siddhanta. <laughs> and what he said to the contrary was something he said you can think why he said it, uh, but one of the reasons could be, well, at, for convenience at the time he thought that was the best way to just keep the train rolling. Hmm? And he was very much like that. Give a short answer, someone would say, Prabhupada, when they go to Golok, what happens? You know, like, after they eat. <laughs> Some stupid question. Right? And Prabhupada say, would say, go there and find out. Why don't you go there and find out? That's what I'm teaching you. Go there and find So, okay, just kind of keep the ball, because, you know, you get caught up in your head and you get off on a tangent. Something slows you down from practice, <coughs> which will reveal in due course everything if you don't start making offenses and start opposing the teaching. So you can't, the teacher can't tell everybody everything at once and the teacher doesn't always tell the whole truth and I was explaining to them three quarters of the Vedas are like that (laughs) three quarters of the Vedas are telling people that what you should do is follow this path chant this mantra to get a good son to get a good daughter to go to heaven to get this to get this all that is not what the scriptures are about it's all like telling people what they don't think they can hear. Like, the, what does the Gita say? Hmm? Hmm? Yeah, that, I'm speaking about that, but something else too. It said, don't disturb the minds of the innocent by trying to tell them about... If you try to tell people who are attached to things too much and don't have the interest to come to a session like this at all, that you should give up things, you're not going to have any ears. There's not a teachable moment there. Better to tell them, how to get things hmm? by bringing God into your life. Bring God into your life. Say this mantra. Face this direction. Do the Surya Namaskar. Get good health, you know. And then you start to become a, a, a show gratitude towards nature, towards the universe, towards the world, uh, because by loving it, the thought is it will reveal its secrets and, 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 and so forth. And you're starting to get in the ballpark. That's what all these Puranas and um, so many texts are about. You know, you have the Shiva Purana, it's telling it different than the Vishnu Purana, you know, the Brahma Purana, for different types of people. So it's full of, it, the whole thing is like one preaching strategy after another, dealing with a very difficult case, you know. You can't tell them everything at once. They come from a long background of anadi karma, you know. And so finally, you know, to get to the point of like, and it's about... Braj Bhakti. You know, whoa, that's a long way to go. Where you have to bring somebody. And even property, he, he was pretty much 
you can't find the word like Raghunuga Bhakti practically almost anywhere in his books, conversations or anything. I mean, there might be a couple of small references. He was very pretty tight-lipped about it. <coughs> a little bit, yeah. You can't hardly, hard to avoid it there, but very little. And he was very much concerned with creating an environment in which people would practice, practice, and chant. And then the idea would be to become more susceptible, more receptive, I should say, to to hearing more, to learning more. And you got to be careful. Teacher has to be careful. You can't tell them too much, or you're going to break them. Hmm? You can't ask too much from them. You can't tell them too much either, because <laughs> when you tell them too much, it's asking a lot. <laughs> you know, this is what it's about. Oh, I didn't think it was like that. You know, like for example, you say, you know, hey, look. Our philosophy teaches that you're a person. You're an individual. Yeah, I thought I was an individual. Now, now other people teach that you're not. <coughs> and you just merge with Brahman and you're not an individual. Hey, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, see? And, and you bring people on. Meanwhile, you haven't told them that you're not the person that you think you are. <laughs> you're not the individual that you think you are <laughs> with all your likes and desires and everything. <laughs> You know, and then, and then, you know, if you don't do it right, later on people go, "Hey, I thought this was personalism." You know? I mean, you know, what about that? You know, I got my individual. So, it's an art. Obviously, it's an art. Teaching, preaching, hmm? and the scriptures, you know, are full of it, and they show that. And the teachers teach that, and so, so we have, you know, Brihad Bhagavatam, the essence of the Bhagavatam. What can be thrown out of the Bhagavatam, so to speak, you know, or what's a Puranic element that's included and so forth. It's not that important to us. It's not essential. It's not about street dharma, you know, what women, keep women in the closet or whatever, you know, that, how that's interpreted. Or it's not about Varnashram. There's a place for Varnashram, but Bhakti stands on the head of it, you know, and so forth. Uh, now, you've got to be careful so you find someone like Prabhupada or Bhakti Siddhanta or Bhakti Nod emphasizing some idea of Varnashram because they're thinking, here we are, you know, 500 years after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's descent and giving this precious gift of, of, of Braj Bhakti to the world and, and, and we've got uh, Babas out in, the, out in the jungle meeting with ladies, you know, in the name of uh, Anurag Bhajan and Parakya Bhav. You know, this is a problem. Hmm? So they wanted it, besides the moral <coughs> side hmm, of of life that's that bhakti transcends but is kind of within bhakti just like look at goloka in goloka there's varnashram now it's not needed <laughs> you understand in other words what's really running the whole thing is the bhavas but the structure there's a structure of varnashram that what that's telling us is that Moral morality, good moral life, is contained within bhakti. Hmm? It's not that, hey, we don't need varnashram; we can be immoral and still do bhakti, hmm? and uh, everything will be fine. Krishna says, "Sin and come to me." You know, don't worry. You know, give up the dharma. Hmm? So they wanted to emphasize this side that you, you, anyone can start bhakti through sadhu sangha in any stage. But if you start at a low stage and you have all types of material desires, then look for this. The removal of the material desires before you start looking for 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 gopi bhav and misunderstanding it to be something like your material desires. Hmm? 
I give an example. A number of times, once I was pulled aside in private in Vrindavan by one devotee, and he asked me, Marjorie, I want to ask you a private question. Is there any real sex life in the spiritual world? I mean, you know, real sex life? And so I said to him, you don't get it. There's no real sex life in the material world. <laughs> so, so, so at any rate, they, you know, our Acharyas, who wanted to interface with the rest of the world, the modern world, and so forth, they, they wanted to put some emphasis on the things that should be leaving be, be, behind or, or the things that should be coming into place as a result of your bhakti. You should become a, a morally stout person, uh, a righteous person. Uh, the shortcomings of Varnashram, in terms of a, being a comprehensive religious ideology, are not um, that they make you uptight <laughs> or, or, or it's repressive or something like that. Um, eh, or it's, uh, it, it's, it's, you know, it's sexist or, or, or however you, know, you want to you know, look at it. The shortcomings of it are that the moral life itself is only a shadow of ultimate goodness. Therefore, you can never be perfectly morally... How can you do it? You can't be morally perfect. That's the whole idea. I've given an example many times that I, 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 in my room in Adaria, I, I came into the bathroom and there was a spider's web in which a fly was caught. So being a good person, I went to free the fly and here came the spider. And I realized, it's his dinner, you know. I'm taking his... Who, what, do you, what do you do here? So... That's the whole moral moral realm. It's a shadow of real goodness. Real goodness, absolute goodness, transcends the moral life, and all the moral inconsistencies where you press down here and it goes up here, and you press down here and it goes up here. And, well, I don't like this about Bernie Sanders, but I like that, you know, or you know, whatever, you know. That's what I guess we'll make a compromise. It's a compromise. Material. Religion, so to speak, for material things is a compromised position. It has its place, hmm? but if you get to the bottom of it, you realize, if I really want the good, I have to go beyond the moral realm, and I can step on the head of Varnashram. But I'm a morally stout person that does it. Therefore, for example, in the Purva Mimamsa, the first section of the Vedic treatise on the Veda, it says, Atato Dharma Jignasu. Now is the time to retire, inquire about religion. When you've completed that course, then you got the, the, the Vedantic side. It says Atato Brahma Jignasu. Now is the time to inquire about Brahman. And arguably, now is the time to inquire about Rasa. Rasa Atato Brahma Jignasu. Now, Mahabharu, of course, very generous. What can be done? He's mad. He's Krishna. Pursuing the mood of Radha and it's making him crazy, and so bhakti is going everywhere. What, what kind of bhakti? His bhakti is going everywhere. So Rasajik Nasir was coming way down here to the immoral section, and it's Nanabru was giving it out. You know, take it, take it, take. It. Hmm? And so some of the go, "Well, it's good and all, but like, whoa, we got to talk about this now. <laughs> now we got to say something about this works, you know, so because it's the high thing can be misunderstood, and, and so on and so forth, and so." Gradually, you know, you start to explain, and uh, and and so there are various strategies that might be 
evolved for preaching, and it seems like Sanatan Goswami's book, as well, is 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 a preaching strategy. And he had the power to do it. We might say, well, wait, who who is he to just like, you know, there's no proof that this other edition of the Mahabharata with Pritchett speaking to his mother Uttara exists, but his book is very powerful and compelling, no doubt, and it is the Gaudiya original commentary, really, on Srimad Bhagavatam, and it's so powerful that you don't, nobody seems to question it, you know, I mean, somebody made a complaint in more recent times that Bhakti Vinod Thakur wrote certain books and attributed them to different people, like he wrote Harinam Chintamani, and it's a conversation between Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Haridas. Later you go, he just wrote that, you know? <laughs> it's like, you know, he just made that up, you know? Or his novel, Jivadharma, you know, the people in there. Vijay hmm? uh, Kumar and, and um, Brajanath, two main characters. Somebody asked Pujapat Sridharmarsh, are they, can, can, could I, it was Tamal Krishnamarsh, he said, was it possible to write a book and make up fictional characters like Bhaktivinoda Thakur did in, 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 in Jayavadharma to make a point? And Chitamar said, she, he said, whatever is in the mind of Bhaktivinoda, that's true. <laughs> but it's, you know, so that, that's the whole other thing. In Braj Bhakti, in, in Bhakti, you can make it up as you go along at a certain point. When you become completely under the influence of Krishna's Sarup Shakti, do you think the coward boys have desires? You think they have no desire? What are they, just automatons? <laughs> they have desires. Sakyaras is full. Madhuryaras is full. Full of desire. And But all the desires are within the parameters of the influence of the Sarup Shakti because the desires are coming due to that influence. We have material desires due to the environment of material nature. It's causing us to desire, which we have the capacity to do, in relation to that environment. If we come in touch with the with the brudge or the, with the bhakti environment, we can develop desires in relation to that environment. A life, in other words. Desire means life. So they have different desires, but they're all pleasing to Krishna. So at a certain point, a devotee in bhava bhakti starts to write his or own, her own ticket, so to speak. Of course, in a sense, because the bhakti, the bhava that they have, is coming through the parampara, through the association that they have. What type of guru they have, what type of sadhus they've associated with, if they're steeped in bhak- in certain type of rasa or, or bhava, uh, the, that will come into you. You'll get some scars for that and so forth. But then within the context of that, if it's sakya rasa or madhurya rasa, <coughs> I mean, there's two basic ideas in the manjari bhav, you know, and, 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 and the sakas, the friends of Krishna, this is what Gaudi Vaishnavism is giving to the world. Within that, Every Manjari is different, every counter is different, and so forth. So there's a point where you're actually able to write the book, so to speak. And that's what the, the bhajan in, in Bhava Bhakti is about. Hmm? And so uh, here's Sanatana Goswami, he's telling the story, you know. I mean, it's it, why did it come through him? Well, of course, which is what your question was, Mahaprabhu empowered him and, Rup, uh, and told him, he particularly told Sanatan, I think, four things to write about, uh, to produce books about bhakti, to excavate the places of Krishna's pastimes, to establish the deity worship, uh, something else, I forget what it was, um, four things. And um, incidentally, it's told 
that Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur sat to do Nambhajan for how long? Nine ten years. Rather than to preach. Bhakti Vinod told him to preach. Gorgashore, his other guru, told him, don't bother with that. Too much trouble. That's a thankless task. People will give you a lot of hard time and you won't be able to do your bhajan. <laughs> I didn't get those two instructions from your two gurus. <laughs> so he sat down and chanted for nine years, followed Gorgashore, and then a piece of paper blew in his direction. He found, he picked it up, and it had the verse, Sanatana Mahaprabhu telling Sanatana Goswami these four things, do these four things. Said he had a vision of punched up. He got up from his bhajan and said, "What kind of, what kind of uh, paramahams am I? You know, I should do preaching first, pray brother, and he taught this way. Paramahams abaram paramark pitiyam yati to darane kutubeshi pitiyam yati rajaganai. Beautiful verse of Shridharmarsh engraved on the walls of many Gaudiya mosques describing Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Hmm. One line from it there: how he was a paramahamsa, but he stepped down from the position." to be a yati, to be a parivrajak preacher, to show the way by kirtan, preaching by kirtan. Hmm? And kirtan, you do kirtan, but, you know, it's a dynamic thing. Who is the person in Bhagavatam, hmm, the figure in Bhagavatam, who became perfect by kirtan? Shukadev. Shukadev. <laughs> That's a kirtan too, right? This is a kirtan. How do kirtan? Hmm? So, Bhakti Siddhanta, I mean, I'm not against the singing, obviously, that's beautiful and it's important, too. But, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsita, and, and too. <laughs> when you get done speaking, I mean, just chant. I mean, <laughs> you know, so, Bhakti Siddhanta introduced the idea of the Brihat Madanga, you know, the bigger. And, and, and rather than sitting in a jungle and chanting and not being qualified and having your mind wander here and there, it's quite a task to try to take this teaching and lie to people about it. You know, lie to people about, you know, to develop a preaching strategy to say how to explain it. You know, you go out to the store and somebody says, hey, those are nice beads, what are they? And you go, hmm, where do I begin here? <laughs> okay, they're sacred beads, you know. <laughs> and my guru gave them to me. Oh, well, cool, tell me more. And you know, like, where do I begin? I'm at the Kmart, you know. <laughs> so that's very consuming, was his point. You, you have to think about how am I going to present this I've done a kirtan at a yoga session and people ask some questions and they don't know what I'm talking about and I realized I just gave a short talk and their questions realized they didn't understand it, they didn't quite get it, so I have to read <coughs> nicely explain it and, and so forth in such a way that they're going to digest it and some of it and, 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 and come forward and so forth. So that's an art and that's very consuming. Hmm? And this is the power. Of kirtan, it's very, 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 very consuming, and it's the main um, anga limb of bhakti for kali yuga. So, anyway, Sanatana Goswami, he followed Mahaprabhu's order, and this is, this is one of the first things he did. He wrote Brihad Bhagavatamrita. Now, whether there is some Mahabharata edition somewhere, well, it's in the mind of Sanatana Goswami, so it <laughs> must be there. And uh, it's a beautiful story, but um, but Mahaprabhu, of course. You know why? Why Sanatan? Why Rup? Why not Ramananda Roy or this one or that one? Well, there's a couple of reasons for why Mahaprabhu chose Rup Sanatan, Jiva Goswami, and so forth. Rupa Goswami and Sanatan were the leaders, of course, of the six Goswamis, and um, the the description of his personally teaching them 
in Banaras, Sanatan, at Prayag, Rupa Goswami, is given in Bhagavad Bhagavatam, in, in Chaitanya Charitam. We don't find him teaching Jiva Goswami like that, or, or Gopal Bhatta Goswami, um, or Raghunath Bhatta, Raghunath Das, in the same way. So they are the main bearers of the teaching. Um, now, the other Goswamis wrote, obviously, wrote, obviously Jiva Goswami wrote prolifically, and Gopal Bhatta Goswami as well. But the leaders, leaders of the six Goswamis were Rup and Sanatan. And there were, there's, there's two reasons for that. There's an external reason and an internal reason. The external reason is they were very uncommon people from a worldly point of view. They spoke many languages. They were highly positioned in the, in the Muslim government in Bengal. Sanatana Goswami was the de facto ruler of the Muslim kingdom in Bengal when Nuwab Hussain saw was out conquering somewhere else. So they were very... Uh, I mean, as much as, as crude as uh, the Muslim occupation of, of uh, Hindu India was, still these leaders were in some way very cultured you know, people within the context of their own culture, so to speak. The kings were educated, they were wise, they could have command over people, they could understand people's psychologies and so forth and so on. They were beneficent to their own constituents and so on. So he was a very, both Rupa and Sanatana were super qualified people. And the story is, of course, that the Nuwab Hussain saw, saw was in, um, in Bengal and he was having a tomb built for himself. And for when he died, he would be entombed. So he hired the best artisans and he wanted to have the best tomb in all of India for himself. And so, um, what happened? They, they were making the tomb, and and he said to the architect that he did a really good job. Yeah, he, he said you've done a really good job, and he said, "Well, I, I could have done better." <laughs> and, and so, so he cut off his head, <laughs> right? And so then he told another his assistant. What did he tell him? Like, go and go get it. Hmm. Go get it. Yeah. Go get it. Yeah, go get it, or something like that. And that guy didn't know what to think. He said, I'm getting out of here. This is where I'm going. <laughs> Can I have my head cut off? So he didn't know what the king really wanted. Could get the, the what, hmm? Could get the yeah, he couldn't, he didn't, he didn't quite get figured out. He just left. And then, so he was uh, wandering and he, and, he, and he met the young Rup and Sanatan. And they saw that he was very troubled. And so they had compassion. And they asked about, you know, what's troubling you? He said, what this happened? And, and then they said, oh, this is what he wants. Hmm. They could answer. They could answer the, the question. It wasn't as clear as as, as, as that, but um, they could answer the question. So then he went back, and he answered the question. He said, "How do you figure out the answer to my question?" So I met these young fellows and bring them here. <laughs> I want them to work for me. So they brought them, and they were quickly rose. You know, given high position and so forth, they could understand the minds of people from their physiology and their their. their their body language and so on and so forth. So they're very sophisticated people and they could move amongst educated people. Mahaprabhu needed some educated people to establish his sampradaya and, this, and they began writing in Sanskrit, which was the, the educated language for religious culture of the time, hmm? not the common vernacular of you know Bengali or this language or that in, in, in the subcontinent of India. So. They wrote in Sanskrit, and, and, and they started penning the philosophy, the theology, 
of the whole lineage. He needed these kinds of people. So this is external reason. There are many artisans and writers and, and so forth um, amongst the, uh, the associates of Mahaprabhu, artisans, men, of, men and women of the arts and sophisticated, cultured people. But you see the story in, in Jagannath Puri, it's important. Rupa Goswami came to Jagannath Puri after having met Mahaprabhu at Prayag. He came to meet him in Puri. And at that time he had uh, written his dramas, Vidagda Madhava and Lalita Madhava. Hmm? And he was staying with Haridas, the outcast, because he was an outcast not by birth but by circumstance, having worked for the Muslims um, in the outcast of the Hindu society. Mahaprabhu brought Ramananda Roy, Sarupadamador, other literary, literary men and so forth with him and to meet Sanatana, to meet Rupa Goswami. And Mahaprabhu said about him, oh, he's written some poems <laughs> too, some dramas. And he said, what to speak of the content? His handwriting, <laughs> his handwriting is enough to, they're like rows of pearls. He said, he praised the handwriting of Rupa Goswami as if to say, what to speak of what he writes. His handwriting is just beautiful. <laughs> and how he wrote it. What was his penmanship? You know, so so then, then you have Ramana Roy goes, because he knows the math of poetry, of the dramas. There have to be certain elements in place and so forth. And so, so what is the Namaskar verse? What is this verse? What is that verse? And, and he starts citing them. And so, oh, and they're all amazed. So what's happening is Chittana Mahaprabhu is showing why he selected Rupa Goswami and Sanatana Goswami hmm, to be the main writers of what is the orthodoxy of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. They were very educated, of course, <coughs> deeply spiritual, so we go to the internal, esoteric side. Who were they in Krishna Leela? Hmm? Rupa Goswami, Rupa here means form, means beauty, hmm? means form, means beauty also. It's thought that Rupa, Rupa Manjari is the incarnation of the beauty of Radha. Her beauty takes birth. Man, all the different principal gopis uh, in Vrindavan are all manifestations of some emotional aspect or quality of Radha. She is all of them together. Hmm? So the beauty of Radha is incarnate, if you will, or manifest as Rupa Manjari and Sanatana Goswami also Manjari. So the Manjari Bhav is the way in which one ajiva can come as close to experiencing what Mahaprabhu experienced, which is Krishna trying to taste himself from Radha's perspective. The closest you can come to that is through the Manjari Bhava. <coughs> and, 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 and this, having come to experience that, he, the opportunity for others to do so overflows to the world, and this is the way, and they show the way through their their sadhana. Hmm? And they don't come out and say it in so many words, Rupa Sanatan, but Raghunathas does. Hmm? He says, and what Rupa has shown, the, the way he is doing the bhajan, that is the way. Hmm? And he's explaining Manjari Bhav. So you can't become Radha. Mahaprabhu is stepping into Radha's shoes. But from the Manjari perspective, you can come closer to Radha than anyone 
who has a direct union with Krishna. Any other gopi that has direct union with Krishna cannot have the full experience of Radha. Hmm? They can have their own experience directly of Krishna, but not of, of Radha's. But if you become servitor of Radha and become so identified with her hmm, that that her experience you experience vicariously, indirectly, hmm, by attachment to her. Hmm. If, if, therefore, it said, if in the love play of Radha and Krishna, that Radha gets it's bitten by Krishna or something, at some scratch, it may show up on Rupa Manjari. Hmm. You understand? They have access to the most intimate leelas. So this is the closest you can get to what Mahaprabhu's experience was. Hmm? And they and so that's not what Ramana Roy's position, that's not Srupdometer's position, this one, that one, and so forth. And 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 they're expert teachers. They had the substance and they were very qualified externally as well. So they were chosen for this role. Hmm? And so it comes from Sanatana Goswami, we have to take <laughs> very seriously. There's good reason why we come through him and be at Bhagavatamrit. The first book of our Sampradaya um, and very very highly uh, readable and, and important to, to, to study I think you've read it this guy's gone as an edition just as an edition right yeah. there's other some other editions too now so thank you. thank you for the theme <laughs> How long are you going to be with us? Another month or so? <laughs> in the future. Okay, yeah, you should come and spend some time. Yeah. We looked at the land of our cabin. Oh, you looked over there. The, uh, we left with, I had five pieces of land in my hand. Oh, good. We put five pieces on It's a nice piece of property, yeah. Very nicely divided into different sections and so forth. I actually experienced how the ground sparkles quite literally. Mm. I'm very uh, drawn to sparkly things, as Bhakti Rats knows. So she was very expert in uh, getting me very attached to the land. Oh, that's good. That's good. Walk the land today, and uh, today we could actually see what you have already been seeing. Mm. The past couple of times, we first time we forest. Second time, oh, okay, I'm getting some yours to participate in. It belongs to you. It belongs to the devotees. We already have five pieces of life. Okay. Thank you. Sisi Gora Adamada Ki Jai. Bhakti Vrindakija. Bhakti Vrindakija. Bhakti Vrindakija. Bhakti Vrindakija.